What's up, guys? We are back and we are feeling a little frisky. At least I am. I can't speak for Ryan. I'm sure he'll find something to hate about. But I I posted a tweet before the start of this game that was like, I am nearly certain that Ohio State is going to give me way too much optimism heading into the Notre Dame game. And damn it, here we are. Um, you know, I was ready to crown Ohio State national champs like midway through the second quarter. So um, that's where I am. I'm sure there's some stuff that you'll find to hate on. And I will too, to be fair. Like we're a we're a hating ass website and a hating ass podcast. Um, but man, that was, you know, about, about as good as you could ask for, especially after the first two games. Yeah, I mean, they rolled, uh, obviously. That's like a classic Ryan Day kind of win too, where you basically take like a team that's overmatched physically, you just can't really run with your athletes and deliver a like series of very quick knockout punches in rapid succession. Uh, like in this case, you know, uh, West Kentucky got a touchdown in the second quarter. Uh, they made it uh, 14 to 10. Uh, and then Ohio State uh, had nine plays for 221 yards and 28 points on four consecutive drives that took less than eight minutes of game time. Uh, that's just the knockout ball. They do that. They just score in bunches against anybody. That just because, I mean, like, especially against bad teams. But against anybody, they just rack up points really fast, throw a knockout punch, and then it was over, right? It was 42-10, and that was the ball game. And that's really what's been missing, too. Like, I think, like, that is what, against inferior teams, it's not even, like, I don't know. Like, it just hasn't looked like an Ohio State or a Ryan Day team that just has that, like, offensive explosion. Because, that I mean, we've talked about that before. They've done it in small bursts last year. I mean, there were a few big bursts last year where they would just bury a team. They did it against Penn State. Um Notre Dame to a lesser extent last year, but like it just feels like if you give this team long enough, there's going to be just an onslaught of points. And it was good to see um, with a new quarterback, with Kyle McCord, with this offensive line, that that like gear kind of still exists. You know, I think um, we were all kind of like blindly hoping and optimistic that that gear existed, but it's good to actually like see it. And I'm not saying Western Kentucky is a great defense by any means, but uh, neither was Indiana and neither was Youngstown State and it still wasn't there. So it's good to see that this offense is capable of doing that if it needs to. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, like, I think the defensive talk, because I want to get back to the offense one second, but the defense just quickly was really good in a way that was yeah. pretty simple to talk about. Like, they just, they were disciplined. They kept Western Kentucky in front of them. Like, they got their... They kind of they got their yardage a little bit. They got their completions. I mean, uh, Austin Reed was twenty one of thirty seven for two hundred and seven yards. Which, look, you play an air raid team, you know they're going to throw the football a ton. Obviously, it goes without saying. But like you know, by not allowing large you know yard after the catch performances, I think they had they had three completions of more than twenty yards all day, uh, and I think all three of them were in the first half. Like they were just very they, they kept things all in front of them. They played well. Um. I thought even Josh Proctor played pretty well in coverage, mm -hmm. uh, all things considered. Uh, Igbenosin and and uh, Burke is excellent. I mean, Burke is pretty yeah. the best player in the defense right now. I will offer a mea culpa on him. I, I kind of my thinking on him had been that he was physically maxed out and was never going to be like a day one or day two pick because of physical limitations. But I think he's playing his way into like a top 50 draft pick right now. That guy looks sick. Um, Really happy with the team overall. I mean, Steel Chambers played fantastic. Tom Mickenberg was everywhere. The D-line got pressure. We, we knew they kind of wouldn't get sacks based on who they were playing, but they got pressure all day. Um, pretty happy with, with this defense overall. I think they look, I think 
our buddy Bill Landis with us on his podcast, but I believe that it was the first team, a first team to hold Western Kentucky to fewer than eight yards per play uh, in the Tyson Helton era, which is pretty crazy. Um, they've been a very good offense, and Ohio State pitched the best defense performance against them anyone's really ever done. Yeah, and I think that's what's lost on the probably the casual um, college football fan, which I don't really think there are many casual fo- college football fans listening to our podcast. If you are, God bless you. But um, I think that's what's kind of lost on the casual fan is they see Western Kentucky and they're like, oh, you know, Ohio State did this to Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's offense is awesome. Like this is a quarterback yeah. that led the led the nation in passing last year. Like they are a very prolific passing attack. And if Ohio State's secondary was able to for all intents and purposes, shut down this Western Kentucky passing attack. I don't really think there's anyone in the country that's going to like just throw the ball all over them. Like, I'm not saying they're going to just come out and shut down anybody else in the country, but like, you know, it's, it's a very, it clearly they have earned the praise that they got in the first two games, I think. Um, and I think if you look back at, uh, I, I, this is from 11 warriors, like just all in all, as, as far as these two games starts, or these three game starts. Um, Ohio State has allowed its fewest points through three games since 1975. And uh like that's that's just absolutely nuts when you consider how scoring as a whole has been placed on a premium in pre- in recent years, too. So um and before 1975, teams weren't scoring a lot of points either. So all in all, yeah, I think yeah. it's it's just a it tells you just how dominant this team has been in context too. So I am very happy with the the way the defense played. And I think that's like, if you listen to our preview pod last week, we were talking about like the one thing we wanted to see was how the secondary answered, how they played. Um, And I I think they officially answered the bell. Yeah. I mean, they, they were very, very good and, and just kind of, it's just nice to see them take care of business and to not have to worry about it. Right. Like it's, it's nice that you are not like concerned um, about whether or not they're capable of doing something like that. Uh, It's nice seeing them handle that. Um, And I I think they, they improved play at the nickel position uh, primarily by like not really playing Martinez, right. He played two total snaps, um, (laughs) which is good to see. Uh, again, I thought Josh Proctor played pretty well at the deep safety spot. Uh, Lathan Ransom had a nice hit uh, at his role. Uh, yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of Jordan Hancock uh, playing at that nickel spot with Denzel Burke and, and Davidson Peterson out there. Um, Sonny Styles didn't play a ton, which is interesting. He only played 27 snaps. Um, I, I still... I, I'm intrigued by that because I, while I was very happy with the way that Sonny played. Um, I also would, sorry, rather, I, I thought Sonny played pretty well, but rather what I'm trying to say here is I was intrigued wouldn't even let him try to play against their slot, you know, or yeah. try to cover their tight ends or anything like that. I would have liked to kind of test it out because once you that game is out of hand, it's actually a great opportunity to get him reps in pass coverage right. and see if he can do it. And so I'm kind of intrigued and try that out more, but that's a very small nitpick. Um, Tali Williams was sick. He looked great. Yeah, he was huh? awesome. He was awesome. I, I think, I think the only like real criticism, if you wanted to criticize the defense, and we talked about this in the preview pod, we did not expect to see a ton of pressure, especially on the outside, um, on the quarterback. And if you wanted to nitpick at all, it was that again, Jack Sawyer and JT Tuomola didn't really get a ton of pressure, um, no sacks through three games still. But um, 
I think the the interior defensive line led by Tyleek Williams was just incredible and kind of relentless the entire game. So I was really happy to see that. And I mean, Tyleek, I, this is kind of his third straight game where he's looked like really the best interior lineman or maybe offensive line or defensive lineman on the entire team. Yeah, uh, he's a beast. I, I will slightly just push back on your comment about Jack and JT not getting a ton of pressure. I kind of disagree with that. I, I mean, I, I think they were in Jack actually more than, more than JT, which is fairly shocking. But uh, I thought Jack was actually in Austin Reed's face quite a bit. Uh, like they hit him, but they he, like they felt him. I think, or rather, yeah, he true. felt them. Yeah, this was yeah. it. Was definitely their best game, which is kind of surprising. I think uh, Western Kentucky dropped back and like passed more than I expected them to. They didn't really do a lot of the dink and dunk. Um, honestly like their screen game and their like drag game was kind of less than i expected i kind of expected more uh quick passing but they really did drop him back like they gave them pass rushing opportunities and as you're as you said like they did make the most of it and it is kind of one of those things where like ty leak and the interior defensive line played so well that they were collapsing the pocket so quickly like i i don't know if you can really take anything away from the uh edge but just because the edge didn't get their faster than the interior did i think by right. and large the whole defensive line played really well yeah yeah i agree the defensive front were at large played great um he, saw kenyatta he, finally that was interesting he did yeah we did see him um i i thought the funniest thing though uh as as we're talking about the defensive ends is that ohio state's first sack from an edge player in three games came from mitchell melton playing the jack position i thought that was poetic huh that's weird i wonder why yeah. Yeah. I wonder why it feels like Knowles is more comfortable creating pressure from that position. It was very um, funny because I, I yeah. saw I saw Dan Hope was the one who tweeted it. He tweeted um, Ohio State gets its first sack from a uh, um, defensive end. And I went back and watched the play immediately. And I was like, no, no, that is Mitchell Mountain from a stand up like linebacker position. He did not have his hand <laughs> on the ground. It was not a defensive end. So that was very funny to me. That is hilarious. Um I guess other quick notes on the defense, because we don't have, I mean, we talked about them a lot the last few weeks because they've been great. Um, one thing I will say too, man, Jermaine Matthews, huh? Uh, he looked really fucking good when he was out there. Like, Oh, just, yeah, I mean, pick six, even if you take away the pick six, when he was playing just in coverage too, like he looked incredible. Yeah, like he looks the way they're supposed to look. Um, also, I found it fascinating that him and Jair Brown had the same number of snaps, mostly because they just kind of ran a two-corner set for the largest part, like with those guys right. out there. Um, but even still him now being roughly neck and neck with Jair instead of like trailing is already intriguing and obviously performed. Um, I don't put too much stock as you know, in PFF grades, I kind of actually normally actively deride them, but he had a 97.2 PFF grade, which is yeah. nearly perfect. Like basically they're saying that there's almost nothing he could have done wrong. Um, he was awesome, dude. He was so and, good. And again, like that's, that's the sort of thing I, I love uh, being right is as everybody knows but if you listened back to this podcast you know during as ohio state was recruiting last year and heading up to signing day and stuff like that we were both super high on jermaine matthews like super high on him yeah yeah um i am officially calling off the dogs on tim walton i think i'm apologizing to tim walton i was wrong um i call that high or bad i said he couldn't recruit um and i think the room is good the players are playing well uh, my bad, Tim Walton, Mia Culpa. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, all in all, the secondary is playing 
super well. I, I, it, this, I don't know. It's, it's very wild that I am happier with Tim Walton than I am a uh, Larry Johnson at this point in my life. But yeah. Um, yeah. All in all, I mean, the secondary across the board and the linebackers, uh, the defense as a whole played incredibly. And I think um, that, I mean, we're going to talk about the offense here in a second, but I think the biggest takeaway from this game, like if, if Ohio state's defense played well in this game, I was going to think that Ohio state had a chance like for through the rest of the season, because I think this is like the biggest test. This is what was going to tell me um, is this defense actually a strength of this team. And I think based on this game, it is because there's really nobody who's going to be able to stress the secondary the way uh, um, Western Kentucky just did like Notre Dame. Sure. Not going to do it based on what we saw from Drew Aller this week. Penn State sure not going to do it. We all know about JJ McCarthy, who was also dog shit this weekend. Um, he they're not going to do it. So like, if this secondary could perform that well against Western Kentucky, that it is good enough. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, really happy. That, I mean, just just overall secondary defense. Like, I think we're on the same page here. I I, I know everyone's kind of creaming themselves over Notre Dame, and I still don't think Notre Dame has any like, playmakers on the outside. Yeah, uh, and I think we could be able, like, to me, we're gonna talk with Notre Dame at, at length on the Thursday preview pod. Yeah. However, um, I think they should be able to man up Notre Dame outside at, at receiver, and the box kind of heavy. And I expect a pretty strong defensive performance against Notre Dame, based on what we've seen so far. I feel pretty good. Yeah, um, I, we're we're gonna talk about that way more at length on Thursday, but um, I I saw what I needed to see to. And in short, I saw what I needed to see to feel good about Notre Dame. So I was, uh, I don't know, this, this pod could have gone, we were talking before we started recording, this pod could have gone two very different ways. Either way, it would have been very entertaining um, based on how this Western Kentucky game went. We either would have been, you know, very nihilistic heading into this game or pretty hopeful. And I think it is the latter, thankfully, for uh, Ryan Day and um, our sanity, frankly. Yep. Yep, definitely. Um, you know what else is improving our sanity, Kevin, and making us feel good? I um, probably know, but I think you should tell me. It's home field apparel. Uh, home field apparel is making us feel pretty good um, and making sure we are we are sane, we're clothed, we're protected against the elements. Um, on Saturday, I was rotating between my Ohio State home field shirt and my Pitt home field shirt because uh, I went to the Pitt Alumni Bar in New York to go watch the game. Uh, that was that. a bad performance. Yeah, that sucked. It's okay. I don't really care. I uh, I'm not a Pitt fan. I I support Pitt because I'm from there, but I I mean, I don't have any negative feelings if they lose. Um, but I did have positive feelings about home field apparel and the clothing they provided me with because uh, it was comfy, it was stylish, felt good, looked good. Uh, I had two different shirts rocking up the day. The Buckeyes are back, dude. Uh, the Buckeyes are back. Home field apparel's back. Um, we're all in a good mood when we have home field on. Um, Kevin, what's the discount code people can use uh, at Homefield Apparel? Thank you for asking. If you have not purchased Homefield Apparel yet, if you have not made your first order from Homefield Apparel, use fifteen or use the code Meet at Midfield for fifteen percent off your first order. Um, again, that is your first order. So, uh, you know, if you want to be happy and not sad on a Saturday, regardless of what your team is wearing or is what your team is doing, um, you can be wearing Homefield Apparel. And you know, if, if your team's getting um slapped around like Alabama did for a good chunk of this this past weekend or 
uh, struggle with a bad South Carolina team like Georgia did this weekend. Um, you or know, even three, three picks to Bowling Green. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or throwing three picks against Bowling Green. It should have been four, actually. But, um, you know, you would be less sad if you were wearing home field apparel. So true. So true. And what else makes you less, what else makes you less sad is uh, subscribing to meetupmidfield.com. Um, it may actually still make you sad, but it does, you know, mean that you are uh, getting to post with the world's greatest Buckeye fans, world's greatest college football fans. Uh, you can read all of our content. Uh, the board was buzzing on Saturday, Kevin. I think we have finally time that turned the tide of positivity. Um, the board was great. Uh, it was pretty nice, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, all in all, it was the vibes were good. Um, I will say that it is definitely. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe one of your more negative boards on and we don't apologize for that, to be clear. Um, but it, it is generally speaking, if there is something to criticize, we will find it on that board. And uh, there, there wasn't a lot of criticism this week. Yeah, yeah, uh, we were all pretty happy. Uh, <laughs> I think there were some declarations of us being back uh, made on that. And if you want to come join us and post on there and get into the negativity and get your demons out of you, but also still enjoy and have fun when we win, uh, subscribe to me at midfield.com. We are also we're talking about all of the, the Georgia game, the Alabama game, uh, the Michigan game, you know, all these games that were going on on Saturday. Um, and everyone was deep into conversation about that as well. So it was uh, it was really fun to uh, to dive into with everybody and kind of get uh, get active and um, and get after it with everyone. So come subscribe to me at midfield.com. Come read more of our work. Come hear our premium preview pod for Notre Dame week. Uh, you know, obviously the non-con was kind of a walk for Ohio State, but um, and Notre Dame is is like the it's obviously still a non-conference game, but it's the start of the real season for Ohio State. So uh, if you want to come, come post with us, come bark with us, listen to all the premium content, read all the premium articles, uh, it's meet at midfield.com. Come subscribe. Yeah. And I will say we welcome uh, anybody who is not a Ohio State fan, too. So if you've strolled across this uh, podcast and you are not officially a Buckeye fan, um, we've got a lot of a lot of subscribers that are not necessarily affiliated with Ohio State, but are just college football fans as a whole. So uh, even if you are not a Buckeye um, this is a place for you too. So, uh, speaking of that, I will say I thought it was very funny. Um, I have a bunch of friends. I grew up in Georgia, obviously. Well, maybe not obviously. Not everybody knows my life intimately. Um, I grew up in Georgia. I have a lot of friends in um, like the Atlanta area, whatever, who are fans of various SEC and ACC teams. And I got like several text messages this weekend talking about how Ohio State was probably clearly the favorite for the national title. And I thought it was very funny because like um, I, I was just kind of realizing that like based on the pattern, it really allows like Ohio State to kind of set or based on the, the schedule, it really kind of allows Ohio State to set an agenda because the first week of the season, if you just like take a look at what the games were on, nobody was watching Ohio State versus Indiana. Um, same with really Ohio State versus Youngstown State, like nobody was watching that game. Nobody really even paid attention to that game with the other games that were going on. This week, there just wasn't a whole lot to watch. And a lot of the other teams that were on were just getting their asses kicked or just struggling uh, to really like do anything. Like Michigan, Penn State kind of looked bad. Um, Georgia and Alabama famously looked terrible. Tennessee lost. Um, so I had several fan, fans of a lot of other teams that were like, man, like Ohio state's the only good team in college football this year. And I was like, man, that is a wild thing to hear based on, uh, what we've been talking about for the past three weeks. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is nice to, it is nice to not be the team everyone else is making fun of or saying, oh man, they look at they sucked, huh? It's nice to not be the subject of attention when you play a bad team. Not that West Kentucky is a bad team, but is a non-national team, you know? And that, that's not, the thing. That's the thing is like Western Kentucky was a better team than most of these other teams were playing. Like, I, I think South Carolina sucks. Like, I think they are a terrible football team. Um, same yeah. with like, and they Ole also Green lost their best player. Like, too. They all, and they also lost their best player five minutes into the game. Right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. it's pretty nice, man. <laughs> I mean, Bama, Bama almost lost. They really almost lost. They don't look like a two score win, but like USF had the ball with a chance to tie or take the lead with less than two minutes left. Um, <laughs> like that was a real football game for Alabama. Yeah. Uh, Texas was tied going to the fourth quarter with Wyoming. Wyoming. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Florida State, Boston College had two possessions in the fourth quarter, the chance to take a lead over Florida State. Um, everyone except like us and LSU of the contenders was like either in a one score game or like worse, like after halftime. Um, yeah. I guess it, Penn State was never really like threatened, but they just but they looked, looked like shitty. shit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was, I don't know. I, I'm glad to see that J.J. McCarthy is back to looking like shit, too. Um, it's very funny, like, all of the, like, Michigan, we're going to piss people off with this, or I'm going to piss people off with this, but all of the Michigan fans are like, man, that was a really uncharacteristically bad game from J.J. McCarthy. It's like, what, what do you mean uncharacteristic? Did you watch him last year? Like, he's never been good. Like, he had two, probably the two best games of his career to start this season and everyone's like, oh man, like it's very uncharacteristic of him to throw ducks downfield. Like, no, it's not. Like, that's who he is. Yeah. This isn't a premium podcast. So um <laughs> maybe bleep this joke out, but I'll make it to you. Uh is that <laughs> can we <laughs> um <laughs> uh, man, that's great. That's yeah, we'll great. take that one out of the podcast, but uh we'll uh, we'll leave in our laughs about it. So so Dan yeah. can text me and ask what I made fun of him for. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah no. Uh, <laughs> uh, McCarthy looked pretty shitty. Just bad decision making, bad accuracy. Like it's just all like none of those three. It wasn't like oh, there was a tip ball at the line of scrimmage. Like all no. three of those picks were bad picks. Um, more than that, more than that, one of his touchdown passes should have been an interception, but it just got tipped right into his wide receiver's hands. Like he, it should have been four picks and minus one touchdown. Yep. <laughs> they looked like shit. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't move the ball very easily. They averaged over seven yards of play. Like, yeah. Their offense is fine. Their, like, their, their running game is perfectly fine, which is exactly what it was last year. But like, I think just the discourse that J.J. McCarthy is this like awesome generational quarterback, it's insane. And it has been insane. And like, I, I'm not saying like Michigan could still come in and run all over Ohio State or effectively do the exact same thing that they did last year. But that doesn't mean that J.J. McCarthy is a good quarterback. Like, the reason he won't be a top 10 pick, or to my opinion, even a first rounder, is the same reason Will Levis dropped, which is that obviously with McCarthy, you can clearly see the flashes of him being awesome. Mm -hmm. There are times where he makes some crazy, like, I'll, sure. I'll admit it. Last year, I thought he had, like, one or two of them. He's already had a couple this year. Like, there are some plays he makes where he looks off at safety and just, like, makes an awesome pass. He has that in him, but he also has this capacity to get against TCU, like he did against Bowling Green, to just go nuclear level dog shit and just like completely tank an offense because he just is too confident in his arm and makes stupid reads that don't fit into what he's told to do. And, and that's the thing that's going to scare off NFL GMs. The guy who like just does like knows conceptually what he's supposed to be done and has the talent to do it, 
but doesn't actually execute because he flinches in the moment. Like that's a problem. Like that will get exposed more in the NFL. It does for a lot of these quarterbacks. I think McCarthy's more than the same. Um, yeah, it's it's just yeah. a lack of consistency. Yeah. Like that's that's who he is. Same and, problem Quinn Ewers has. Yeah, right, right. And it's I don't know. Like it's it's not to say that he doesn't have talent. He obviously does, and he makes a ton of good plays. But like his average play, his average throw downfield, especially, is not like good. Like you know, I, you're even saying he's inconsistent. Like I don't. It's it's not even a down by down basis for me. Like I think the flashes are fewer and far between than Michigan fans even want to admit. Like it's not like it's like a coin flip or something like that. It's like this is a guy that on an average throw down the field is like a below average quarterback. And then every now and then we'll make a crazy play with his legs or do like some have some like wild throw that you're like, holy shit, like nobody could have made that, you know, like, I don't know. It just it feels like the flashes are way, way um, more Too few and far between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. Like maybe I'm hating on him too much. And to be fair, yeah, like, no, it's fine. That's our podcast. That's yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And like he did look good in the first two games, but it was very funny because Michigan fans were getting real frisky about like Kyle McCord not looking good against or in his first three games or whatever. But like. I don't think there's a realm of reality where where Kyle McCord looks that bad against anyone, much less Bowling Green. Like, we should start but, tracking. We should start tracking weekly our power rankings of Kyle McCord, Quinn Ewers, Drew Aller, and JJ McCarthy. Like those kind of like three nexus points, four nexus points where Ohio State's quarterback position room could have gone. We yeah. should start power ranking the four of them weekly. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. Where would you have them right now? Ooh, okay, through three weeks. Um, man, it's so neck and neck right now because all three of them have now had one dog shit game. Uh, well, okay, uh, okay. Ewers, but... Ewers, McCarthy, and Aller were terrible this past weekend. Um, yeah. So I'd say like, power rankings, like true rankings, I don't know. Power rankings after last week, I would say McCord one, probably Aller two. Uh, McCarthy three, Ewers four. Yeah, I think that's fair. Ewers, Ewers had a great game against Alabama, though. So I, I, that's that's tough. But I think I think the thing for me is, I even went back and looked at, um, like the numbers from the dog shit performance from Kyle McCord. You're saying Indiana is the bad game, right? We, we, uh, yeah, I mean, I think both of his first two games, I know he was like fine in Sexton State, but I think he still made some stupid, even in this game, you saw him have that stupid strip sack he took. It was entirely his own fault. And it's, um, it, that's 100% true. But like, if you actually like look at the stats, it's nowhere in the same galaxy to how bad either of those two quarterbacks were in their worst game. So I guess the yeah. thing is like, well, I, I don't know. His game against Western Kentucky was awesome. So that's interesting. But um, it just like his floor seems higher than the floor of so far that well, we've seen from J.J. McCarthy. I, 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 and, but some of that could I be Ohio State's offense. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I think their argument would be that Ohio State has better skill players than everyone and that's else. That's probably involved. true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's also just owning your own uh, team. So like that's not my of problem. Of course, either. yeah. Yeah, exactly. We should track this every week. We should actually do this as part of the podcast. Um this would be fun. Let's let's keep I, this in mind. Yeah, we we, we should. I, I think that's fun. Um, maybe we can even move it to the premium section so that uh, 
you guys can wonder what our our rankings Ooh. I, I don't know. Well, well, there we well, go well, I, I think that could be a uh, little little nugget for the the premium subscribers but yeah I, I like that too I'd probably based on just consistency I guess I'd probably put McCord at the top um then god I don't know I might honestly even go Ewers just because I think he has the biggest win of any of them um I mean he he played really well against Alabama and technically that's like a you know top 10 win well they fell out of the top 10 now but um I think that's the best win so far uh then probably Aller than McCarthy but that I don't know that's that's tough that's tough it's it's gonna be fun to do this every week but um that's that's probably where I'd go right now yeah I think Aller just like he still has flaws, but I, he doesn't really fuck up. But like, like Ewers, McCord, and McCarthy, their fuck ups tend to come with the form of like costly turnovers. Yeah. Whereas right. I think his are just like throwing a ball out of bounds. So I yeah. guess I think like I would take the safer play of Aller, but he was really bad this week. He completely less than half of his passes. Um, yeah. It, it's just like, like Kyle McCord has yet to completely shit the bed. And yeah. Like, and the worst is probably McCord- out of the way, right? And I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not like I would here, but like the worst is probably out of the way with him. That's that's kind of what I think. I obviously is gonna he hasn't played his best defenses yet against like he'll play Notre Dame, Penn State, and uh Michigan, but like the mistakes that he has been making aren't like ability mistakes, they're just like inexperienced mistakes. And I think like as he progresses and goes through the season, hypothetically, those will get fewer and far between. Like, but you would think, you would think, but um obviously you can't prove that or know that for sure. But um that's that's kind of my thought is that his his dog shit games his worst performance has been nowhere in the same galaxy as the worst performances of at least jj mccarthy and quinn ewers yeah i think that's true um cool let's talk about our offense a little bit more because I, I mean like we just talked about McCord there I, I think overall accepting that one route the, the one strip sack where he he clearly missed i believe it was a buka coming open over the middle or was it yeah. fleming it was fleming coming was fleming. open uh, on that crosser yeah uh, he has to see that play and make that throw uh, and also have that internal clock to run that football. But besides that, he was perfect. Like I, he, I also, he, was he also awesome. missed, he missed the third down throw to Fleming too, where he just sailed it right over True. his head, which was hilarious. Yeah. I don't know if you saw Julian Fleming, what a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you saw my tweet on it, but they panned to Ryan day after that. Cause it was like a third and six. I and saw Ryan, Ryan day. You could hear him yelling wide the fuck open. Like as he's yeah. trying to like call the next player or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I get it. Like, that's super frustrating. Like, he was wide the fuck open. I also had this dude weirdly arguing with me on Twitter today um, whether or not Julian Fleming was wide open on that play. And his argument was that by the time Julian Fleming caught the ball, the defender would have been three yards away and probably could have tackled him. And I was like... Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, man, <laughs> if you're telling me that he could have... Uh, God, that's just the most insane argument I've ever heard. But anyway... There, there are all. some Ohio State fans who are just like so reflexively positive. Like yeah. any critic, because like there's this like genre of Ohio State fan that like posts like the E span or, you know, ESEC PN or whatever, like all that shit, where they think the whole media apparatus is out to get them. Um, they think any mild remark whatsoever is like hating on the black guys. It's, uh, it's yeah. The number, it's, it's too much. Yeah. The number of like, because I, I I post on TikTok a lot, and obviously the way TikTok works is like it's a um, algorithmic feed, and so like these people who are just college football fans get just like random people put across their timelines, and when I like pop up there, 
a lot of times, like some of my videos, I'm pretty critical of Ohio State. And they're like, you're just hating on Ohio State. Like you, you're just an Ohio State hater. That's what you do. And I'm like, no, man, like I have two degrees from Ohio State and worked for an Ohio State fan site for seven years. Like, I promise, <laughs> like, I, you know, like I, I don't know. There's just a, a victim complex for Ohio State fans that just like want to call out any anti-Ohio State or anything they perceive as a slight against Ohio State. And it's like crazy because like it all originated like in the Mark May and like Tattoo Gate era is like yeah. where it all comes from. And they haven't let it go now for a decade. Right. Um, yeah. Very crazy. It's but, very weird. Yeah. I guess the rest of the offense, uh, O-line, solid, right? I mean, yeah. uh, Western Kentucky had, I think, um, what, one sack on the day? Uh, and it, was it was that, that strip, strip sack. sack. Yeah. Yeah. Which was on Kyle McCoy. Besides, exactly. The O-line was great. Uh, rushing attack was good. Um, they get, they ran for 204 yards. I think without that sack, it's what, like 210? Uh, yeah. I do hate that college football counts sack yards as rushing. Um, but it's like 210 at, at 6.3 or 4 yards per carry. Um, really good. I thought Trey continues to look more patient. Um, Chip was great. Uh, again, I am like slightly, just for context, still pumping the brakes in the Trey thing because... We know his career average when he dominates against G5 and SDS teams that doesn't show up against uh, against Power 5 teams. It already happened this year. He looked great the last two weeks and sucked week one. Um, so I'm still, like, pumping the brakes on Trey, but he looked really good. Uh, I thought Chip looked good. Mayan, smaller role. I was curious about this. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I was talking about this with a couple of our buddies and listeners. Do you think that Mayan is a, ch- a chop or I'm going to call him is now the third back at Ohio state pretty clearly. And is in that third, the pecking order, or they were trying to save him, keep him fresh for their game. Cause they think it'll be a more physical game. I'm not, I don't know if it's specifically Notre Dame, but I would not be shocked if they're trying to kind of keep tread on his tire for like the rest of the season, because I think it's very clear he's, what he's he a bit is. injury prone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For, especially. I mean, I don't even know if it's like he injury prone is correct, but it's not even just like because he's like a fragile guy, like he's not made of glass like Braxton Miller was or whatever. It's just the way he plays necessitates to getting injured because he just like, yeah, finds contact, like pounds through holes and stuff like that. And, and he also has a lot of very quick, sudden cuts to put stress on his ankles. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so yeah. I think, and like, you don't even like that could have been a conversation. I don't know this for sure. You don't know this for sure. Nobody really knows this, but it wouldn't shock me if it's one of those like sort of situations where it's conscious about like wanting to keep tread on his tire for the NFL too. Because if you run this guy into the ground through, you know, his three years in college or something like that, like there's only a certain number of hits that you can possibly take. Um, So I, I wouldn't be shocked if the move is more, to preserve him for later in the season, especially given what happened to Ohio State's running backs from last year. I think they just kind of want to keep as much, you know, going as they can, especially for a guy that uh, has dealt with nagging um, kind of brutal injuries through his entire college career. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I'm intrigued by that. Um, receivers, A-plus grade, no no notes. Uh, obviously, Harrison and Aguka were great as always. Colonel Tate had that touchdown. Yep. Um, Fleming Fleming had a small stat line. He had what two catches for 17 yards, but we He's talked about awesome. the two throws that should 
he's really good. He like him as a blocker is so yep. special. Like he just puts guys in their fucking ass. It's it's not about all the time, but he did play in a wing tee in high school. The guy just knows yep. how to block and it's physical. Um he's a dependable receiver. He should have had two more catches, both for first downs. Like they trust him, I think, and a lot. Like there, there was a lot of talk about, you know, Cardinal Tate or Jaden Ballard, whoever taking his snaps. That's that's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. Um and well no. I, I think the thing that is and we I think we talked about this a lot more in um when Zach Smith was the wide receivers coach. And it was more of an excuse for Ohio State receivers sucking is like, oh, well, there's a lot more that goes into being a receiver than just like catching deep balls and catching touchdown passes and stuff like that, which is like, to be clear, 100% true. Um, I think in Fleming's case, that's not an excuse for him being bad. It's just a like, you know, he does all so much. Yeah. Why he plays so much, you know, like it's it's one of those like he's he's kind of like a Terry McLaurin sort of guy where. um you know, he's just, he's just doing his job on every play. And he's done that for, you know, I mean, he did, he did it last year. There's a reason why he played so much last year. And you know, when he needs to be kind of the focal point of the offense too, he can be, you saw it against Indiana. You saw it against Georgia. Once Marvin Harrison jr. Went out, like he was the guy who they kind of targeted and the only real guy left on the field. So, um, I don't know. I I'm, I'm very impressed by him. He's obviously not going to be like a first round receiver, like um marv or Ameka, but like he is a solid receiver and i think he's going to probably have a long nfl career for exactly the reasons why we mentioned he's just a guy that can always stay on the field and is not a liability in anything that you ask him yeah. to do. he's not built the same way as him but just like from a value add perspective he's noah brown right like he's 100 yeah, and noah brown's had a yeah, long nfl career very long he said what seven contracts maybe six seven contracts yeah um he just keeps proving he's himself. never made a ton of money yeah, yeah. but he's making he probably made nine, 10, 11 million bucks in the NFL. Um, for right. pretty good life, man. <laughs> you can do that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess the other thing I'll note too, I would really like to see him come back for next year. Uh, he has another year of eligibility because his yeah. freshman season was the 2020 year. Um, I would love to see him back next season when Marv, Buka, X, and probably Jaden Ballard, if I had to guess, are all gone. Um, obviously Cardinal Tate will still be here, but like, he'll be a more prominent player. He could be like a more physical version of what John Mechie was for Alabama, right? Like never, never one receiver, but a multi contributor who plays really hard, blocks really well and just does his job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that would be a solid move for him. We'll see what, I mean, that that's projecting, you know, months in advance. Um, I I think it's very clear that he's going to end up in the NFL, but I think, I don't know, like with who else is in Ohio State's roster right now with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka, like I just can't imagine that his draft grade is going to be as high as it could possibly be after this season. But I don't know. Um, I, I I would personally like him to come back, but also I would like Marvin Harrison Jr. to come back too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously I'm not the one who's making these decisions, money talks, whatever, but um, I, I am very happy about him. What do you think about G. Scott? I Dude, I, I, I like him. Right? Like, I I, I really it's going to sound crazy where, like, Kate Stover has now gone for 90 yards in two different games. But, like, Stover fucking sucks, man. Like, he is... He's not good. Like, Kate Stover... It's not that he's not good. Kate Stover is talented. However, he is so lazy on the football field. Uh, he just does not care that much, and his effort is so inconsistent. 
the guy just like will refuse to try for stretches the game, just whiff blocks, drop passes. He's just what he takes away is so frustrating to watch. Um, that G Scott is probably not like his highs are definitely not as high as Kate Stover's right now. But his effort, I've actually been really yeah. impressed by him because he was he was such a fuck up last year, just a frustrating way that seeing him now like really commit to blocking, commit to doing his job well, he has clearly passed Joe Royer for the tight end two role. And I would much I feel much more comfortable on the G Scott side than we do Kate Stover side. Yeah. Um I, I I like the way he plays. Yeah, I mean he is I don't like we, we I think we joked about it a little bit last week. I don't even remember if it was on the premium or the free pod where I said something along the lines of like, you know, I, I, I like G Scott a lot. I think he's inherently a better receiver and probably a better blocker. And then I had the realization that's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> if he's a better receiver and a better blocker than Cade Stover, then doesn't that just make him a better tight end? And yeah, I know, thought that's what you said. I do think Kate's probably a better receiver right now still. Um I, I maybe I, like I think he's a to Kate's credit, because look, I, I hate on Kate a lot. He is very good at having that feel for where the south spot of the defense is the receiver. Yeah. Like he gets to the open part of the that field very well. I have to give him credit yeah. for that. Yes. Yes. That is true. That is true. everything else he does pisses me the fuck off. He's very good at that. Um I'm, he he has the <laughs> I, I know I know people have used the front farmer gronk thing. But he does have that like Rob Gromkowski a little ability to just kind of sit in a spot in the zone or, you know, take a linebacker just a little too much. And honestly, like that's the reason why he was used so much in the offense against like Michigan last year. The problem was that he just didn't catch the damn passes um, yep. or just like went, let one bounce off his chest into a Michigan defender's uh, hands and God. stuff like that. So, um, so I don't know it. I, I agree with you. I wish that he was like a little bit better at the catching the ball part. And I think that's where, um, like, I, I think G Scott's ball skills are probably better than Cade Stover is simply because he that's was, yeah. you know, a, a top 100 receiver coming out of high school. Like he didn't just forget how to catch a ball. Um, whereas like Cade Stover was recruited as a defensive end and has always just been kind of a um, big skill guy. They like to call him at Ohio state. So I don't know. I I think I think just technically speaking, G Scott probably has more like ball skills, but I don't know how many times you're gonna drop like a fade to G Scott in the corner of the end zone. I'd probably be furious if they did, in fact. Yep. Yeah, agreed. Um he did G Scott to play 24 snaps. Uh it's kind of interesting, pretty high number. Cardinal Tate played 23. Uh Xavier Johnson played 20. Um, all kind of intriguing for me. The second team offensive line, uh Luke Montgomery came in most of the jumbo package and played a bit on the O-line, but primarily that second O-line group uh, was Zen Mikulski, uh right tackle, Enoch Mahi at right guard, Victor Cutler at center. Uh, and then they did play, as I recall it, they did play a bit of Montgomery at guard, uh, if that's right. I'm not, I'm not making that up, am I? I'm pretty sure he did. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think saw. he did. I, think he did. I, I watched, yeah, I watched a limited amount um of the fourth quarter because i was i had to get to that pit bar um so i didn't see all the fourth quarter i watched the high like i watched what i could see on replay on youtube and i'll probably go back and watch the full fourth quarter later uh, but i did miss part of that uh, unfortunately i was watching on my phone but then i was in the subway so missing parts um but uh tegra also played left guard um 
Yeah, pretty interesting. I don't know. Pretty good crew. Uh, I was intrigued by by them. They all graded out fine. Um, I, I was. I guess the only interesting note there to me is that Vic Cutler is still ahead of Jacob James in center, um, yeah. which means Jacob James is probably done here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right? yeah, because they. I mean, they're just going to recruit around. It's year four too. If it's year yeah. four and you're third on the depth chart, like yeah, it's it's you know how it is. Is is that shocking to you though? It's not shocking. It's mildly surprising because they like. When James got hurt, it probably ended his chances. They did talk so much about how they loved, uh, how they loved Jacob James. Like they like they really seemed to hype him up in the media interviews. They talked about him being a key component, like competing for the starting job. And then one injury, all of a sudden he's third string with no chance to be second string. It's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, especially I was, because we, yeah, I was just never sold on Jacob James. I saw him in Trey Larue is the same person. Um, not, not obviously they played different positions and, uh, were, just body. Yeah, yeah. you know, just, just in terms of like shake my head when they committed to Ohio state and, uh, like just kind of the eye rollness. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've, uh, I've never there's been this concept. Sorry. Go, go for it. You're good. No, I say there's this concept that, uh, Ryan Rosillo and Bill Simmons talk about in basketball of Shamit face referring to Landry Shamit, where, he doesn't look like an NBA player. Like he just looks like he's a guy that like he's not. He doesn't look like an NBA player. It's hard to describe. And I think Jacob James suffers from Shamit face too. Yeah. He looks like such a fucking. He looks like Ham Porter. You know what I mean? Like he just looks like a goofball. And his pictures are so silly of him with that big goofy smile and that like curly head of hair. Yeah. That he looks like he looks like he should be like an alcoholic frat brother in his senior year more than he should be like, you know, a starting lineman at Ohio State. And I wonder if he suffers from Shamit face of how he's evaluating. Because he's pretty clearly a better player than Trey LaRue and Grant Topper in that class. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will <laughs> I will send you this picture that um that I have of Trey LaRue and um Jacob James standing next to each other. That, Please. Yeah. That I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on Slack to you. And this will be this is probably why I just associate them together is purely because of this picture. So I can't wait be, to see it. It should be coming to you on Slack. It's it's doing the little circle thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there uh, it is. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. That's a great fucking picture. <laughs> like two goofballs, dude. It's it's the chin strap on Trey LaRue uh, and that terrible haircut on Jacob James. Jacob James also rosy-cheeked. Um, yeah, it doesn't do him any favors. But it's just no, like... He looks, he looks cherubic. Like, if, if you if you just like take that snapshot and like at the time it was like, you know, Ohio State Ryan Day is trying to convince you that this is the future of Ohio State's offensive line, and it just, man, I I, I never bought it. I would have glad I would have been gladly wrong. Um, it just there was just no juice there either. You know, like at least when Dewan Jones committed, it felt like fun. Because you're like, all right, this is a big guy that's like moving around on the basketball court. Yeah, like, you can post the dunking video. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, what how how am I gonna convince you that it's actually good that Ohio State signed these two guys? So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I am in the same boat. Um but we're past that era. We're now through with it. So that's God nice. bless. Uh, yeah. Um and I'm sure the current guys will be the same thing once we mess on Jordan Seaton and Brandon Baker. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but or like the the Cerevel, uh Padilla group. Yeah, whatever. We'll find out. We'll find out. I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, no, O line looked good. Uh, receivers talked about all look good. I guess kind of intrigued by Xavier Johnson uh, not playing as much as Cardinal Tate again. Um, it seems like he's pretty clearly the fifth receiver at this point. Are they trying to manufacture more touches for him? Um, and they give him the kickoffs t- and give him the kickoffs. Yeah, it's like tight. Like it's there's a very clear top five and a huge separation after that. Like I don't, I couldn't tell you Ohio State's sixth receiver. Probably Noah Rogers. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. The fact that it's not Jaden Ballard is a uh, real bad. That's damning. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you could argue Ballard's like tied with Rodgers, but I think it's Rodgers. Yeah. So I mean, and, and this will if you're, surely if you're be tied with Rodgers, and what is this year three or four for him? Three. I think year three. Let me double check yeah, that. It's got to be three. Um, if you're tied with Noah Rodgers, a true freshman, in year three, like it's yeah, it's, year it's three. done. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's over. So best of luck to him. Um, Wherever he plays next season, I'm sure he'll rack up some yards in Western Kentucky. Yeah. Um, how about Blue, Blue Smith, Smith being an asshole? Exactly. Yeah, what a dickhead. Yeah. I don't know. You heard the broadcast too, probably. Like I did. Um, what he was saying, it's personal. About what, dude? Like they didn't force him out. They wanted him right. on the roster. He was a <laughs> he was like a highly recruited guy. He transferred because he wasn't like they didn't think he was going to get playing time where they wanted him at initially. So they try to like make him play a little bit of tight end. He's like, oh, fuck this. And then he also sucks Cincinnati. Brother, you're just not that good. That's your problem. Right. That's not well, our that, that It's, it's Look very inwards. funny. It's very funny. <laughs> like, I don't mean for this to end up being like a praise G. Scott podcast, although maybe it is now. But like G. Scott made the move to tight end and he's clearly like carving out a nice career for himself. And it turned out to be the right move, whatever, like. He wasn't, he was never, G Scott was never going to crack this wide receiver rotation as a wide receiver. Like that's very crystal clear. And he is now a tight end. So like, it's very funny to see him like bitch about like, you know, this didn't work out for me. Like it's personal now uh, at Western Kentucky. And more than that, like from what I understand, it was like a pretty cordial, like transition of like sending blue smith to down to luke fickle in cincinnati like it was like a it was part of that like there's almost a little pipeline going on for a while that was like guys who didn't work out at ohio state ended up at cincinnati it, it's not yeah, really and then ohio State actually got good recruits cincinnati. yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah that's funny that whole 2020 know, class like i'll say like fleming's now turned out a very nice role um you know g scott's playing a lot obviously jsn was a first round pick Mookie Cooper just had a really good game uh, yep. for Missouri against Kansas State. He yep. had uh, four catches for 79 yards. Um, that class has all turned out to be pretty solid. Like, obviously, they're not, yeah, they're not going to be like the 2021 class with Marv and Ibuka, but like, it's a pretty good crew. Yeah. It was uh, the, the whole thing was very wild with Blue Smith, though. Like, I just, I don't know. I, it was, it was, he, who had the strip or the, uh, who stripped him? Was it Jordan Hancock who had the the hit on him that caused him to fumble? I don't know. That's just mm-hmm. or no, I think it was Burke. It, but yeah, it was, it was it was Burke. And then he was was he the one who was uh who got he had the personal off? foul? Yeah, oh, he, he had the personal he had the personal foul. And weren't they throwing to him on the one where um uh Matthews had the pick six? <laughs> I think it might have been that guy got his ass kicked. <laughs> Very funny. 
it's very funny this yeah. dude says it's personal and like the the funniest part is like I don't really think there's many players currently on Ohio State's roster who like know Blue Smith either. So to him, to them, that's just like this dude. Like it's not like they're out there like personally like kicking his ass because it's like oh fuck you. Like it's personal only to Blue Smith. Like nobody gave a shit about Blue Smith. Like he made this his personal vendetta to go and like own Ohio State and then just have the worst game imaginable. Yeah, I guess the only guys that the team who shared the roster with him or what it was like Kate Stover, Steel Chambers, Matt Jones. Tommy Eichenberg, is that it? It's the only that's four, a, I think. About Jane it. McKenzie. Yeah. Jane McKenzie's the fifth one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's, a, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they're all like, who is this guy? <laughs> no, Enoch Mahi, six guys. Okay, six players. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Josh Proctor makes seven. Okay. So, seven guys. Yeah, come on. Relax, dude. We were we were nice to you. It's not our fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like it's I, I didn't like I had no ill feeling to it. I just saw like we even talked about it on the podcast. Like, oh yeah, Blue Smith. Like, that's cool. Like, hope he has a good game. Like it was like it's very cordial. I don't know. Was, Wait, very, was he the twenty was he the twenty seventeen class? I'm trying to find him. He's not oh he was twenty eighteen. Just kidding. Twenty eighteen, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I don't understand why why guys do that. Because Ohio State is like notorious for supporting the players that like transfer away from Ohio State. I would argue too much. Yeah. 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 Like, like they will just like claim you forever as long as you're just like cordial and like happy about like your time at Ohio State. Like, but to just like actively like talk shit, like I didn't understand Jamison Williams doing it when like, you know, everyone was happy for Jamison Williams, like that he was like people were like, celebrating when he would have like a big catch for Alabama and shit like that. I don't know. It was just, it's very bizarre. The guys who just like, it doesn't work out for them and they just like turn their back when they could just milk that shit forever. Yeah. Like there's the one camp that's like your, your Luke Fickles, your Joe Burrows, who's still like, like Ohio state and praise Ohio state. And then you have your like Marcus Freeman yeah, and Blue Smith guy. style types. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fuck Marcus Freeman. Like it's gonna be sweet if we beat him this week. Oh, uh, yeah. because he talks shit. Yeah. Where otherwise it would just be another game with Notre Dame. I'm like, oh well, it sucks Marcus Freeman. Hope he does well somewhere. Like no right. one has ill feelings about like Daryl Hazel, right? Daryl no. Hazel left Ohio State and got the Purdue job. Everyone's like, oh yeah, well, good for him. Hope he does well. Like, yeah. Even even uh, like James Laurinaitis, <laughs> when he ended up at Notre Dame, it's like shit, Ohio State should have got him instead. Like good for Notre Dame. They got a good one. Like, I don't know. It's just yeah. very bizarre. Yep. Yep. Um, huh. Well, I'm trying to think anything else we didn't cover on the team uh, from Saturday. Um, um, special teams. Special teams were pretty good, right? It's never played. Barely punted. Um, yeah. Um, don't, don't have any Parker yeah, yeah. Slander, slander this week. Shockingly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Amari, Amari Boer got a tackle for a loss. Like after like, we heard his season was going to be over like five weeks ago. Yeah, that's wild. Um, I just I saw yeah. him on the field and was like, "What the fuck?" Like I heard that he was just not going to play this year, and here he is. Yeah, Jane McKenzie looks good in backup reps, uh, which is yeah. a nice surprise. Uh, he's been better than Time Alone, right? I would say. Through, yeah, like, yeah. Time Alone I, had all those f- first team tackle <laughs> rumors, and now he's the fifth guy. Pretty funny because McKenzie's played pretty well. Yeah, that's I, God. I this when we're talking about fall camp next year, like in fall camp or in the spring, and we're talking about headlines and we're getting mad about headlines, I need you to remind me that this is how all this shit played out this year. Because like, yeah, 
it, it like uh, clearly just the discourse that happens during the off season and the reports that come out. It can't like they mean nothing. I'm going to set a like reminder on my phone to write a post-it note that just has, I don't even know whose name I put on there. Like just put on like Kenyatta Jackson's name on a post-it note to remember everything or Ty Malone's name on a post-it note. Uh, <laughs> CJ Hicks's name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's Mitchell Melton. Well, Mitchell Melton looked good when he played. Well, yeah, he's just not going to play. I, Apparently I, not. Yeah. My, my, my brother-in-law, um, he didn't get to watch the game in real time. And um, he texted me like not in like during the game, um, kind of following it along, but not like actively watching it. And he's like, oh, it's good to see that Mitchell Melton's playing. Like, I'm happy about that. I'm like, buddy, you're you're never going to see him in a real game. Unfortunately, like yeah. the jack position is cooked. It's just it works. It's <laughs> just we're not we're never going to use it next year. Next year, he'll yeah. come back for his fifth season and be the one fifth year player. It's actually good for Ohio State. after not yeah, playing right. beforehand. Um, that's funny. Yeah, but overall, good game, man. I mean, like, obviously, the tone of our our podcast is very different than it was on the preview. The pre- I was yeah. so annoyed going into it. I feel pretty happy now. We yeah. like Patrick was making fun of me on our podcast <laughs> in the field because he was just saying like, "You guys are such a fucking roller coaster fan base." Where hundred percent, that's what it is. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, well, right now we're in the fun part of the roller coaster." And I would like it to stay. I don't want that like surprise thing where you like, you know, sometimes roller coaster you go all the way up and then you go over the hill or something, you drop back down backwards yep. to surprise yep. you. I don't, I don't want to drop back down. I like to go forward down. There. <laughs> yeah. I want to yeah. go into the loopy loop. I want to have fun. I want to put my hands up. Um, <laughs> yeah. I am feeling pretty good about Ohio State Entertainment, I would say. Yep. And I, I think that's a, a good, probably a good place to leave it. Um, obviously we're going to do, we didn't really talk about Notre Dame at all this week or this pod. Um, but on our Thursday podcast, we will, which is a premium podcast that you can access by subscribing to our website, meetatmidfield.com. Um, we will be talking about Notre Dame extensively. We'll give some game predictions. We'll talk a little shit probably, um, you know, all, all the fun stuff, but, uh, I will say just vaguely, yeah. I'm feeling pretty good heading into next week. I'll say it right now, just just to do it, we probably should have done this. I should have said at the top of the episode. Maybe if you want to edit something back in afterwards, just spur the moment here. I will create a podcast only discount code, um, which means only you guys get this. If you're a listener of our podcast, the free ones, but don't subscribe to the premium, and you want to uh, listen to Notre Dame preview, get our content. Uh, I will do 33% off with the code Irish. Um, all one word, Irish, you know how to spell it. Uh, 33% off podcast only. If you're a podcast listener who's listened to it for a while and thought about the website, come join. The boards are fantastic. It's very fun. Come join us, the code Irish. And you can cancel anytime too if you um, yeah. sign up and you think, actually, this sucks. I'm not paying for this. Uh, yeah, go ahead and cancel. But um We'll have, I'm, I'm probably going to have some extra content up this week. Um, we got the premium pod, Ryan and Patrick always have stuff up, but yeah, it'll be, it's a good week. It's a big week and um, we're excited about it. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Kevin, that's our podcast. Um, I think I sent us off last week. Do you want to take the honors this week? I got it. Go Bucks, Michigan sucks and help is on the way. <laughs>